0: Hello everyone.
1: Welcome back. Today's episode is going to be all about us breaking down weight loss, which we probably did never think we'd actually be doing, but here we are. Um, We're going to be breaking down those sustainable strategies for weight loss because we always talk about what doesn't work for weight loss, what you shouldn't do. And today we're going to give a lot of tips and tricks and advice on what actually does work if you have weight loss goals which leads me right into the first point actually, is that you're allowed to want to lose weight. You're allowed to want to change the way your body looks. That's called body autonomy. However, I highly recommend putting weight loss on the back burner and really making the focus more about building these sustainable behavior changes because you have a lot more control over those than you do the number on the scale. So that's what we're going to be going over today
0: absolutely and one of the biggest things that we always preach in almost any episode that weight loss comes up in your weight or reaching a goal weight will not make you happy or it's not going to get rid of any other issues or problems that you have going on in your life like i've heard so many times be like oh i'll be so much happier i'll be so much prettier i'll be so much like more like well put together once I lose excuse me once I lose 20 pounds and trust me and trust us you will have the same exact problems now and then like losing 20 pounds is not going to get rid of those problems it's there's a lot more that obviously there's a lot of like self-esteem body positivity things to work on stuff like that and a specific number on the scale this one factor is not gonna turn your entire life around as much as it would ni- be nice if life was that simple but life is not that simple <laughs> life is not that simple no so kind of one of the biggest things we always talk about again is we just want to really reiterate that focusing we want you to focus more on non-scale victories rather than the number on the scale and this is like how your clothes fit, how your energy is throughout the day, how you personally feel in your own body, because the number on the scale is not going to be in a constant decline. It fluctuates every day. And even with weight loss, you might not see a decline immediately. Sometimes you do need to lose weight before you can. No, sometimes you need to gain weight before you can lose weight. Yeah. And additionally with weight loss, something I work with a lot of my patients with, and I I'm sure Hannah has so much additional knowledge you can add since this is kind of her forte is even if your goals are weight loss, you don't need a scale to measure your progress because there are so many other contributing factors we can focus on like those non-scale victories. So if you don't want to have a scale in your house and it's something really toxic and you have a really poor relationship with, feel free to get rid of it. Like You don't need to keep that in your house. And if you don't want to completely get rid of it, just store in the back of a closet somewhere where it's not as easily accessible and you might not be tempted to weigh yourself frequently. Yeah. I work in a weight loss
1: clinic where our goal is weight loss for these people that come to visit us. And I've had plenty of patients that I've helped like I've encouraged them to throw the scale away. I'm like, I know our goal is weight loss, but it's not helping you at all. You're just getting discouraged whenever it goes up a pound, which is so normal. I see anywhere from like, I don't know, eight to 12 patients a day, give or take. And I've never seen someone's weight loss graph just like shoot down. Every single person has their ups, has their down. Those fluctuations are always part of it. Um, mm-hmm. It's just not realistic. And if you do have that straight downhill, downhill slope really quickly losing weight, Um, your chances of gaining that weight back are very high because you probably lost it in a way that was just not realistic or sustainable for you. So yes, I definitely reiterate that throw the scale away. If it's not helping you, even if you are wanting to lose weight, you don't have to be so focused on the scale. If it's only making your journey more uncomfortable and stressful for you.
0: Exactly. So to kind of get to the fun part, in which we all know why you're kind of here today. You want to know, like, Emily and Hannah, what can I actually do? Like, you keep telling me I don't need to focus on weight loss, but we are here to provide you with what you want, <laughs> and that is some sustainable and realistic tips that will not only help you kind of with your nutrition journey overall, but also specifically for weight loss. So kind of when the first ones to start off with is we want to make sure that we're including a protein, fat. And or some type of healthy protein fiber healthy. (laughs) Yeah. Protein fat healthy fiber. Yes, that is a combination thing. Starting off strong. As opposed to the unhealthy fiber. (laughs) I know I my eyes play tricks on me. Um, but yes, by doing so, by adding these three components, or at least one of these components to any eating occurrence, you're allowing your body to feel. Full for a longer period of time, and this will also help stabilize your blood sugar levels. Because, especially if you're nearly starving yourself, you could be going into like shipping to the hypoglycemic range where the body actually will resist any type of weight loss when you're putting it under that much stress. And additionally, we don't want you to feel like you're dying of hunger when you're trying to lose weight, so that's why we really want you to combine these components into your meal. So that you feel full and satisfied for longer periods of time.
1: Yeah. I always tell people that like, if your body is really focused on trying to manage your wacky roller coaster blood sugar levels, it's going to have a very hard time, you know, working with you on weight loss. It's kind of like a personification of what actually happens, but our body has a hard time allowing weight loss. If it's, if your blood sugars are just all over the place. So getting in that protein fiber, healthy fat at every eating period will help to stabilize those blood sugars. And along with that, it can be very helpful to eat every three to four hours. I think we discussed that in the intermittent fasting episode as well, but this also really helps with those stable blood sugars and it prevents you from overeating later in the day. Because if you say don't eat breakfast and you don't eat your first meal till noon, you're pretty likely to spend that afternoon overeating and overcompensating from not getting enough intake throughout the earlier part of the day. So trying to get in food, which includes protein, fiber, and or healthy fat at each of those meals, um, every three to four hours will be key.
0: Exactly. And kind of, uh, I feel like something that a lot of people experience is they're like, oh, I was so good throughout the day. And they had like a salad, and a piece of fruit. And then they're like, but after like 8 p.m. I just binge so many like, either like carb heavy or like fatty foods and I don't know what to do. By eating every three to four hours, this will help you, uh, help to reduce that chance of you binging at night because you won't feel as hungry in the evening.
1: Yeah, that happens all the time. Everyone's always so proud of themselves for like not eating all day, but then it always backfires every single time. Yeah. Let yourself eat throughout the day. <laughs> yeah. It'll only help you. Eating more will help you to eat less.
0: Yes. So our next kind of point is dipping into that fitness portion because this is a nutrition and fitness <laughs> podcast. Heyo. <laughs> the next component kind of to focus on with weight loss is incorporating more resistance training into your exercise regime. Uh, Resistance training is essentially like weightlifting, stuff like that to kind of help you build muscle mass. Because when you have more muscle mass on you, you're actually going to increase your metabolic rate over time. So that's why it's really awesome. You will not get bulky as we discussed, I think on. A past episode with Damien. You can go check that out the exercise professional episode, one of those. But look, look out for Damien Michael. He's the guest on that one. Yes. But by building more muscle, you're going to increase that metabolic rate. And that will in turn help you lose weight over time. You don't need to kill yourself with cardio. We don't want you to do that.
1: Yeah. I don't recommend it. It'll just burn you out and. Honestly, it might make your metabolism adapt even more to that lower level. It's just not a good thing. Mm -hmm. All right. Our next little point here is about food diaries, which are, I feel, very controversial amongst dietitians in terms of like calorie counting. We all really enjoy them for like if you are doing the FODMAP diet and you have to like see what foods you tolerate and that kind of stuff, they can be really helpful. Um, but in terms of calorie counting in food diaries, I feel like it's pretty controversial amongst even us dietitians. And the reason is, or my understanding of why it's so controversial is because it can be a very slippery slope into disordered eating habits for a lot of people, but not always. Um, it is so dependent on the person and the reason why they're using it and like their attitude towards using it. It can be a really good tool for a lot of people, especially people who are maybe like just starting out and don't really have a good grasp on like how many calories are in these certain snacks and meals and that kind of stuff. And it really is like just a learning tool more so than the lifeline where you're just dependent on it and you have, you know, a freak out if you don't put in your meal exactly right in my fitness pal. And I always tell my patients and clients that if we are going to use a food diary together, I'm not going to allow them to use it until they're 95 years old. The goal is to just use it for a short time to help them learn what they need to learn. And then we'll eventually learn how to get away from it. And they can just maintain those habits long-term. So if you do use a food diary for calorie counting, it can be very helpful for some because the amount of calories you eat, I mean, it really does dictate what your weight is going to look like, but that is a very oversimplified way of thinking about weight loss, just calories in calories out. There's so much more to it than that. So as you can see, I am kind of wishy-washy on the subject because it really is dependent on the person. Um, There are some who can use it and do very well with it. And if they do, they shouldn't do it long-term. And there are others who really should just steer clear of it because again, it can be a very slippery slope.
0: I agree. I think I'm definitely on the side of the spectrum that's much more like anti-tracking just because a lot of like what I focus on in preach. like not that there's a there's obviously nothing wrong with either of our views. It's just like what we focus on more as a dietitian, but I'm much more focused on like the mental health aspect. Mm-hmm. So that's where like, if I ever had any of my patients track, I have it only for like one to two days. Yeah. And I'm like, delete the app, get, get, <laughs> get rid of it. Um, because I don't want, they kind of know when working with me, like we're going to work we're not going to do this. (laughs) Yeah. But you can totally go to like, if that's your jam, though, there's dietitians out there that will utilize food diaries more. So
1: yeah, they kind of swear by them and their clients love that. And they, Mm -hmm. I feel like most of the dietitians who do uh, like encourage using them are very good about like finding the balance between like using it as a good tool, but not being obsessed with it. And that's usually where people go wrong with using them.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Our next point is kind of not, I would say not an everyday technique to implement, but just kind of more of a mindset for you to have is we don't really want you to strive for weight loss 365 days a year. One, you will get burnt out if your entire year, which can turn into many years, which could potentially turn into like half your life for a lot of people where if you're striving for weight loss, you're just constantly trying to put yourself in a caloric deficit, trying to work on these other factors, trying to sometimes like compensate with exercise. And not only is that really hard on your mental health, where it feels like your entire, like you're trying to achieve this weight loss and it's never happening. Your body's going to get so burnt out if you're doing, if you're maintaining those strategies for a long period of time. So it's okay. And we highly encourage you to allow like periods of maintenance where the body can kind of adjust to where it's at right now. Um, you shouldn't gain weight if unless your initial management styles were very extreme. For instance, like a bad diet. Uh, if you go back to normal eating, there's a very high chance you'll gain the weight back. But by doing sustainable changes like this you shouldn't gain all of that weight back um every person's different so I could be completely wrong with you specifically everyone's body reacts differently but if you're doing it in a slow and sustainable way you should be okay but give your body a break it doesn't want to lose weight all year yeah and that actually is a good segue into the next
1: point which is a question that I get asked a lot, which is like, how much should I actually expect to lose if I am like following these weight loss tips? And I hate answering this question because every single person is so different, but like, I know myself personally, I like want hard data, like, tell me what I should do, what what I should expect. And so I will say a good average sustainable weight loss goal is anywhere from I even say like a half a pound to two pounds a week, and again, that is an average. It will look different even for you week to week, but also from every single person, it'll look different. Um, there will be weeks that you might lose three or four, weeks that you gain a couple, and that is just like part of the system. Because like we said earlier, no one's weight loss graph ever just like goes straight down. That's just not how it works. Um. So anyway, that number I say with caution, because again, every single person's different, but that is usually a good goal for most people. If you do want to have a number in mind, anything more than that, like on average, if you're losing like 10 pounds a week routinely, that is likely not going to last. So not only will it plateau, Um, but it will also not last in terms of you getting the weight back because you might have been doing it in unsustainable ways. And then you also risk losing muscle mass if you are losing weight too quickly, which is no bueno for the metabolism because um, we want to, as Emily said earlier, have plenty of muscle mass to help keep our metabolism up and running in tip top shape. Exactly.
0: The next point is kind of another lifestyle change we recommend is we want to make sure you're getting the seven to nine hours of sleep every night. Sleep is such a place, such a strong, component, such a strong component in kind of our overall health and especially with the regulation of our hunger hormones and other hormones in general, it kind of allows you to reset throughout the night. It re- allows the body to rest kind of alleviate that stress it's been in all day. And if you are kind of depriving yourself of sleep, it can play a huge part in your weight loss journey and kind of the efficiency behind what everything is going on. And especially if you might have noticed, um, if you ever it's really late at night and you're feeling really hungry and you eat really close to bedtime, have you ever noticed that you have trouble falling asleep? You have trouble staying asleep. That's because your blood sugar is kind of trying to figure itself out. And typically when we're eating, we're going to be awake for a bit longer, but by eating so close to when you're sleeping, that really messes up a lot of the hormones. Your body's kind of trying to get all those that incoming glucose under control and can disrupt your sleep schedule as well. So I typically recommend people don't eat two to three hours before bedtime. And I don't know what you recommend. I'd love to hear from you, but that's kind of my advice I give out.
1: Yeah. I always say it really depends. Like I take it situation to situation because everyone always asks that too. That's a good point. Everyone always asks like, Am I allowed to eat past seven o'clock or is it going to all turn to fat? And if that's the question, then I'm like, no, no, no. You can eat past whatever time you want as long as you don't find that it disrupts your sleep or causes like acid reflux or anything. Mm -hmm. So I always tell the person like, pay attention. Like if you do eat pretty close to bed, just make sure you see if that does play any role. But I think two to three hours is a good piece of advice. Um, I also want to point out too that like, I know myself, if I don't sleep well, the next day I just feel like super snacky. And so that's another reason why weight or why sleep is so important. I think for weight loss is like, if you don't sleep well, perhaps the next day, you just feel like you're never satisfied, no matter how much or what you eat. That's kind of like a personal thing. I've heard some patients say that too, but I just feel like the munchies come on strong. If you get like four hours of sleep.
0: Absolutely. All
1: right. One last little bullet point for you. One last tip that we have for you. And it kind of goes along with the sleep actually, because well, I'll lead by saying that it is managing your stress and stress can look like not getting enough sleep, but stress can also look like, uh, like work stress, school stress. It can look like the stress of, you know, doing three hour hit workouts, seven days a week. That is a big stressor to our body, but in general, having that chronic stress can lead to elevated cortisol, which is our stress hormone. And that can increase our appetite and those cravings as well, which of course can negatively impact our weight loss goals and make it harder for us to manage our intake um kind of similarly along with that when we do feel stressed we often have a hard time making good decisions in terms of food and sometimes emotional eating could come along with that and as I'm sure we've said before perhaps in like the intuitive eating episode emotional eating can be okay to a point, as long as you realize it's not going to fix the problem. And that goes with stress eating too. So if you're eating just because you're stressed, do realize that that's not going to fix the stress. You really do need to figure out other ways to cope with stress and other feelings that you have, if that's a struggle for you.
0: Exactly. And kind of some, I, uh, this is something I really like asking people um, is I'm always like, do you have good stress management techniques? And I would say 50% of the time they do 50% of the time they're like, Oh, I just kind of pushed through. I'm like, this is something really important that not only for weight loss, but also general health, like stress impacts our health so much in Mm -hmm. kind of every way possible. Like I swear every chronic condition, it's like increased risk of under like high levels of stress for a long period of time. So whenever I learned about that, I remember in school, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get every condition because I'm so stressed. (laughs) Um, But like meditation is really awesome for stress. Breathing exercises are super simple. You can find them on YouTube. Uh, The Calm app is available as well. Additionally, like going on walks is a low intensity stress leaving activity as well as exercise. Exercise is kind of sometimes I like to put a little asterisk next to that because I'm yeah. like let's not abuse exercise where we're kind of pushing ourselves to feel numb and nothing at all because then we're putting putting our body to a different type of stress and that's yeah. not going to help but um, it's kind of really also like reading, listening to music, just like going outside and being in the sun uh, that impacts our stress levels as well. It's kind of just Figuring out what's works for you and actively doing something about it. Because I feel like this is kind of not re- nutrition related nutritionally. This is a societal rant. I I'm quite positive I've gone on these before. But girl, society teaches us to just push through, and it romanticizes overworking and like burning yourself out, and that's not healthy. We need to stop romanticizing that because we life is short you should not spend your entire life working or like being under high levels of stress and being miserable like this is your life you have the power to do something about it there are things that are within our power there are things that are not but stress management is something that if you don't have any good stress management techniques i highly recommend that you find something that works for you because even the smallest things in the morning like I've heard that like people have done meditation for 10 to 15 minutes every morning and it's changed their life. Hmm. So just really finding kind of something that works for you and consciously making efforts to change your stress levels. Cause you'll in turn, this could help you with weight loss. And also this could help you just be a happier person overall. Yeah. Preach, preach. End of rant. End
1: of rant. Anyway. Step off soapbox. <laughs> It's so true, though. Stress is like part of, I feel like, every single person's life. Like in my notes at work, we have a place to put barriers that patients have. And almost every single person, I put stress in there,
0: which Mm -hmm. is sad,
1: but it proves our point very well. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So those were our tips, guys. We hope that those feel more realistic than, say, like cutting out carbs or only eating two days a week or. I don't know, there's thousands of fad diets out there, whichever one you've done the most recently, I hope it seems more sustainable than that, (laughs) because there are just a ton of issues with fad diets and especially with weight loss. That's usually the goal of doing them is weight loss. Um, They're just not sustainable. They are often so restrictive. They have a lot of random rules usually that don't really make a lot of sense, like keto, for example tune into the episode. If you want to hear about our thoughts on keto, <laughs> um, people who do these diets often don't maintain the weight loss. I have so many situations I could think of with patients and clients that have told me the diets they've done and how they're at their heaviest weight than ever after doing those diets. Um, people often gain all the weight back within two years, if not sooner than that. So truly sustainable weight loss will coincide with realistic and maintainable changes. It's the way to go.
0: Retweet. Ooh. So kind of our, you know, guys know this isn't a fad diet episode, but we like to have kind of final thoughts for what we'd like, we'd love for you to take away from this. Um, if you didn't take anything away, we're about to talk about, we hope you, something resonated with you. But additionally, if you are struggling with weight loss, it is so important that you work with a dietitian who has the proper training and qualifications to do so. There's so much that goes into weight loss and the discussion of weight loss is we talked about like haze. We've talked about like in intuitive eating. Um, we talked about society's like perception of weight loss and how the diet industry always pushes for the weight loss agenda. There's so much that goes into it than just telling someone, this is how many calories you should eat, or this is how many macros you should eat every day. Yeah. Dietitians have that counseling and behavioral health background. So they can effectively help you make individualistic changes to your life that will actually benefit you rather than just giving you a number to focus on and telling you to track. Yeah. Yeah. agree. That kind of, if you couldn't tell what I was hinting at, <laughs> um, one of the biggest things we've seen with like, especially influencers where they preach weight loss and they are health coaches or, nutrition coaches or whatever lifestyle coaches whatever they want to call themselves um and if they use their own testimonial as kind of their qualification like look at me i lost 60 pounds in two months uh therefore i am qualified to give nutrition advice respectfully no (laughs) um just because I personally know how to speed up my like I as a runner like I know how to make myself run faster with my training that does not mean I'm qualified to go coach like a collegiate team of track and field (laughs) (laughs) absolutely not I do I do not have the qualifications and I do not have the educational background or even like experience or anything so just remember whenever you're seeing those like Or for and after posts or like transformation posts. That's such a big thing with companies. They're like, join our transformation. And then they show you all these coaches that have lost weight. And then they're like going to be your weight loss coach. Just keep that in mind that you don't know what they did to change um, their lifestyle to get weight loss. You don't even know if that's accurate, what they're showing you, Mm -hmm. which is another big thing. Like they could tell you they lost in that amount of time. That could be a complete lie. It could be photoshopped. There are so many things that go into social media is fake. That's
1: (laughs) I've been realizing that more and more as I've been like on TikTok. Social media is
0: so fake. Yeah. It's like, we've all known this, but it's kind of the deeper you go and you're like, wow, no one's real on here. You can't
1: trust anything you see, like anything at all.
0: No. So just keep that in mind (laughs) when you're scrolling through Instagram, scrolling through TikTok whatever else is really... (laughs) Eh. Yeah. Facebook, maybe if you're in your thirties, forties. Yeah. yeah. Facebook, YouTube, um, stuff like that. Yeah. Just keep that in mind. Yeah. And then kind of just reemphasizing sustainable small changes are the way to go. They might not, you might not see the progress as quickly as you'd like, but it's important to keep in mind with weight loss. It's not something that can be done in one week or two weeks. Yeah. Depending on how much weight you're going to lose. And even then it can take like at least a month. It could take three months. It could take six months. This is not something that as much as we know, you don't want to hear it. It is not something that will be a quick fix overnight or over a couple of weeks. It's something that really you kind of need to put in the dedication over a longer period of time. And then you have the struggle of maintaining it too. Like Mm -hmm. that's another
1: battle you have to fight once you get to your goal weight, whatever that is, whatever feels good for you. You then have to keep those habits going forever instead of going back to whatever it was in the past that led to you being at a weight you didn't feel comfortable at. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I would say one last thing on this is again, I want to reiterate that I know weight loss is very controversial and depending what communities you are in i don't know if you guys follow other dietitians or whoever else other health professionals but it is very controversial especially now with like emily said haze and intuitive eating and all of that and there are even some dietitians who like will not even touch on weight loss and i totally get that because we have seen time and time again that weight loss is not always sustainable for a lot of people um the weight does often come back but i do want to just make the point that if you do want to lose weight, that is okay. But like we've said throughout this entire episode, make sure you're just going about it in the right way by working with the dietitian and really focusing on fixing or not fixing, making changes to your, your habits. That's the biggest thing instead of just doing fad diets. I think those are the ones that we obviously want to steer clear from.
0: Absolutely. Yay. Cool. That's That's that. Well, so that wraps up kind of this episode, but as always, we have to end on a fun note, which is our bonus question. And this week's bonus question is how, what is the proper way to make a PB and J sandwich? Well, I take the floor. (laughs)
1: Well, I feel like for you, I'm a little Concerned, and I can't even like look you in the eye talking about peanut butter since you apparently don't like it that much, but whatever. I'll tell you what I do because I actually eat these. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Okay. Here's what I do. And if you guys want to know what kind of peanut butter we like, or at least what I like, what episode was that? I don't even
0: remember. I'm throwing a lot We've- of shade at you. I'm sorry. <laughs> We've talked about peanut butter multiple times.
1: Yeah. Um. I don't know. Look back, listen to all of them. You'll figure it out eventually. <laughs> yeah okay anyway I usually do actually I mix it up between creamy and crunchy but that's not the question okay so I get my two slices of bread I like to toast them I just like that it adds more texture if I toast it I know I toast it and then I have two utensils to spread stuff. I don't like using the same one because then you get like peanut butter in the jelly jar or jelly in and the peanut butter to jar. And you wash two utensils. I just put them in the dishwasher. So it's fine. It takes up like a <laughs> centimeter of space. You don't get to make judgments on this because you don't even like peanut butter. So what do you know? You <laughs> just throw me under the bus. I automatically lose this question. <laughs> Did I pick this question or did you? Because I feel I, like if I, if I picked it just to be mean to you, that says a lot about me, but I don't I think remember picking it.
0: This
1: <laughs> I swear I didn't think about all this when I like picked the question. Okay. Anyway, I toast my bread. I put it on a plate and then I usually get a butter knife and I spread the peanut butter on one side on the one slice. And then on the other slice, I get either a spoon or a butter knife. Spoons are just easier to like scoop the jelly out because if you like get a knife, get the jelly out it like slides all over the knife and you like can't get a good hunk of jelly so I like to use a spoon on the jelly on the other slice of bread and then bam put them together pb and j and then I slice it down the middle not diagonally
0: interesting okay are you ready (laughs) ready as I'll ever be so when I choose to eat peanut butter and jellies which is like once a year maybe or like once every two years (laughs) it's typically when i'm hiking and that's a really easy thing to like bring yeah um i'll do creamy peanut butter on even though i know in the question i said chunky peanut butter but that's how i like it on like peanut butter toast or waffles Mm. but if it's a sandwich i like creamy peanut butter um but i'll do creamy peanut butter with a knife on whatever bread i so desire i'm not really that picky (laughs) me neither um and then I'll scrape my knife and <laughs> I'll stick it into the jelly jar <laughs> oh that's how you guys do it yeah yeah <laughs> but then what I do is I tilt the jelly or the jam jars so like kind of like so I just had to like push it out
1: okay that's good because so I like I said to- it like tips off like mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah and I took tip- I like the like berry jams
1: Sometimes I'll like add fresh berries too. I'll like do a jelly Mm, and I'll add like blueberries, for example. That's really good. That sounds so good.
0: Yeah. I cut mine diagonally though, because I am a child. (laughs) I
1: feel like no matter how you cut it, if you cut it, it's kind of childish and juvenile.
0: But it makes it taste better. Sometimes I'll leave it It and do it in like fours. That's what
1: I'm feeling feeling really wild. I love to like cut wraps in half too. It's just so much more fun. That's like a restaurant. Eat it's the middle game. of a wrap, yeah, yeah. yeah, Oh yeah, yeah. So that first bite is like the actual middle of it, not like
0: oh, yeah the butt and end. It's, it's nice all just you tortilla. Can see, you can see it, so it's like next. Nice.
1: Yeah, it's aesthetic, as, aesthetically. As, can't say that word. It's pleasing to look at. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Cool. And that's how you do a PB and J. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, we hope that you learned something new, took something from this. Um, wow. Afters are hard. I feel like you always do them and now I have to do it today and I don't know I what know. to say. <laughs> all right. I'm going to keep it short then. So I don't make myself look like a real crazy person. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you uh, in the next one. All right. Bye everyone. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in on this episode of the upbeat dietitians with your host, Emily Krause
0: and Hannah Thompson. We appreciate you all so much for continuing to support us. In order to support us and sustain the success of this podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. If you'd like to provide us feedback for future episodes and guest stars, follow us on Instagram at the upbeat dietitians. Lastly, you can show us support by providing a monthly donation using the link at the end of our bio. Once again, thank you
1: so much for listening today and stay tuned next Wednesday for a new episode. Until then, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.